And welcome, welcome, welcome back to the Final Whistle Podcast. I'm your host today, Javon, and I'm here with my co-host. Javier, and we're back again with uh, Season 2. This is Episode 4. And today will be a really good discussion. It'll be a good episode, and we have some guests here. Uh, Javon, you want to introduce who our guests are? Yes, I'm going to actually have them introduce themselves. But first, uh, we're going to introduce the people that we've had on before. Ryan! Andrew, welcome back. Glad to be back, man. Thank you for having us back. Yeah, loving to be here. Thanks for having us back. No problem, no problem. And we have a new guest today, Connor. I'm just going to have him give you guys a quick uh, background. And uh, Connor, take the floor. Uh, Hi, I'm Connor. Uh, Been playing soccer since I was three. Uh, Played at a pretty high level. Played at USDA which is now MLS Next, went on to play Division I soccer. And, yeah, now I'm getting into the coaching side of things. So, yeah. Well, welcome, my friend. It's a pleasure to have you on. Um, these guys will be chiming in in our Premier League section, the most heated section every episode. Uh, so, yeah, let's get the ball rolling um, with the Bundesliga. Javier, you wanted to take this? Yeah, the Bundesliga, it is... It has been a season to start off with, to be honest. And Bayern Munich, uh, I believe they're like, I believe they're third in the table right now with 11 points, 14 goal difference. Dortmund is second place. And Freiburg, which you said would be relegated, right, is actually first place with 12 points, which is completely crazy. <laughs> but, but, but yeah, it's it, it been, it been a really crazy season in the Bundesliga. Uh, Bayern, they draw to Union Berlin. And that was a really frustrating game for Bayern Munich, to be honest. I was actually watching the game. I'm like, well, I actually thought Bayern would win that game. I mean, they win the Bundesliga each year. And, like, they always dominate these type of teams. But uh, this just didn't happen in that game. Uh, Hertha Berlin. Hertha Berlin versus Osberg. Yeah, that was a 2-0 two, two win, win right there. But the game of the day in, in uh, match day five was Bayern Leverkusen versus Freiburg. Uh, Fireburn won 3 0. Fireburn yeah. won 3 0, which is like, you said they were going to be relegated, but they seem to be on the move right now. I mean, it just started. It just started. And your players <laughs> over there, um, Callan Holliston Odoi, he actually assisted the, um, the second goal for, for Leverkusen, for Patrick Schick. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think Baron Leverkusen, I mean, the last Lee and Bailey, but they seem to be on an upward roll right now, to be honest. Yeah, but the Bundesliga, it, it started well. Um, I mean, well, because Bayern is on top of the table, which people really do not want. But, yeah, it, it's going good so far. That's good. That's good. Um, what do you make of Dortmund after the first five games? Uh, Dortmund, you, we saw the transfer window that they made. They signed a bunch of defenders. They sold Haaland to Man City. And, I mean, they they won one nil against Hoffenheim, right? I believe so. 1899 Hoffenheim. Mm-hmm. And their season right now is still too early to think about it because although Bayern is in third place, they're not really as convincing to me, although they are they are in second place. Level points with Freiburg. I still need to see more before I can say something because for the past few years, Dortmund will be in first place mm-hmm. and they just start to go down the ladder each time and Bayern just starts to jump up the ladder. So I want to see the next few games to see what's going to happen with Dortmund. But so far, they have been doing really well so far. That's all I can say. Okay, that's good. That's good. 
Um, great. Thank you for our Bundesliga roundup. On to La Liga. And uh, it's been quite a start um, uh, for La Liga teams. I'm going to focus in on the top four as it stands. And I want to start with Barcelona. Barcelona has had a hectic summer, <laughs> never to say the least. Yeah, the first no. thing, the first point I want to make on Barcelona is they have not been caught on the financial fair play list of clubs that are on there. Crazy, Ooh. which is really crazy. And oh. that is mind-numbing to me, but then I looked into it. Because of the leagues, uh, because of the rules in La Liga, because they are very strict where Barca has to sell a certain amount before they can even purchase. Like, so as we said on the show before, they have to sell four before they can spend one. They have to um, bring in $4 before they can spend one. So I guess um, going on that criteria, which makes them um, escape financial fair play, but they're one of the top spending clubs in the Liga this season and in across Europe, actually, and they're flat broke. Which makes zero sense to me. Um, the summer signings that they brought in, such as Lewandowski, uh, Rafinha, they resigned Dembele, they resigned Sergio, um, Sergio Roberto, they brought in Alonso on the last day. Kunde, they got off to a rocking start. Can't knock them. They drew the first game. Seemed like it wasn't going to click, but they clicked. Lewandowski on fire, scoring goals. I think that's five goals in four games. Um, and they're really doing. They're doing really good right now. They're second on the table. Across the pond, on the other side, you have Real Madrid. That They're the only team left in Europe that's perfect right now. Vinicius Jr. I feel like a proud father. I said this last season, I'm going to say it again. I feel like a proud father. They've been, he's been absolutely brilliant. We've, we've On the show, we've broken down how Real Madrid play. He's their outball. Um, Benzema, world class. Cut above the rest, but then Lewandowski joined the league, so I expect the golden boot be, should be between him. Yeah, he's, and, he's um, been scoring. He's been scoring actually as well. Exactly. So I expect yeah. the golden boot be, to be between him and um, Lewandowski. Some people threw Cavani's name in there because he made a last-minute transfer to Valencia, but Valencia doesn't does not create enough to keep Cavani's name in the golden boot race. So we'll see how that goes. Um, the the shock surprise. Um, of La Liga this season so far, for me, has been Sevilla. They have been inconsistent, to put it mildly. Um, yeah, yeah. They haven't, I don't quote many, but I don't think they have scored a goal this season. Um, they do create some stuff. They do create brilliant play, but they're just numb when it, when it comes up. They're just a blank um, uh, going forward. So I was expecting more from them, but we'll see how the season turns around. Um, they have Manchester City next in the Champions League, which we'll discuss further on in the show. But yeah, so, and last but not least, Atletico Madrid. Diego Simeone, man, like, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. They started the, the, the first game of the season. They started brilliant. Atletico Madrid playing attacking football. This is what we want. They have the players for it. This is what we're expecting, right? Second game, they lost. But they lost the second game. Third game, they went back to defensive football and they drew. Like he needs, he needs what Diego Simeone are going is needs to do 
if Atletico Madrid is determined to keep him, saying that he's their coach, they need he needs to settle down and pick a playing style and stick to it. You cannot flip flop in between. You have the players to play attacking football. This is if you say, all right, we're gonna go play attacking football this season. There, there's gonna be some um, painful periods to that while you figure out the defensive side of it and to get a perfect balance and see the players you have. You don't need to go to the transfer window to get players. You already have players. Um, I think you just need to find a perfect balance. Let the attacking players do their stuff, play to their strength, and still have a balanced defense. But don't flip-flop to super defensively. You get a result, but you can't win anything with that because you have better attacking teams going forward in that league and in the Champions League. And then, okay, let's go all out attacking. And just because there's a few painful periods to it, you you flip-flop back and forth. So to me, he needs to sort out what's going on. He needs to handle what he's doing. And um, yeah, that's my take on La Liga after four games. Okay, on to the Premier League, to the discussion that everyone wants to get in on. Um, Let's go ahead and start with Manchester United. I had Liverpool first, but we're going to start with Manchester United because for the first, for the second time on the show, I have to compliment them. And let's start by giving them a round of applause. <laughs> this has been... I don't even know what to say because it started so horribly and then now they're doing great. But I'm going to have Connor take this section and... Tell us what he's thinking, and they go ahead. I mean, yeah, like you said, the start was terrible. Uh, first game, horrible performance overall. It looked, especially the first half, looked very Ollie-esque in the way they played. Mm-hmm. Like, it just looked like I was watching last year all over again. Mm-hmm. Then second half, I started to see some of uh, Ten Hag's ideas come into play. But and then Brentford, it was just <laughs> it was a joke, really. Uh, to be considered one of the best teams in the Premier League and to lose away from home for nothing to Brentford. No, no disrespect to Brentford; they're a great team, but that's unacceptable. And, you know, I think that was the wake-up call they needed. I don't know if you've seen the story that the Ten Hag canceled yep. the training the next yep. day or yep. canceled the day off the next day and brought them all in. And he – they ran the difference that they made up that, like, that Brentford ran more than them. So I think it was 14 kilometers or around, like, 8.5 miles. And Ten Hag ran it with them. Rumor has it, Ten Hag ran it with them. And, you know, I think that kind of, like, that built sort of, like, this togetherness that we saw against Liverpool. And then ever since the Liverpool performance, especially that back line has just looked incredible with Varane slotting in there next to Martinez. He has looked – he's looked twice the player he was last year. Last season he struggled a lot with injuries, fitness, and seeing him partner Martinez, just he compliments him so well with the way they play. And then Malasia, he's been, he's been very good. 
I thought I, I forgot Mo Salah was even in the team sheet against Liverpool. He was nowhere to be found. Malassi has just been – he's been very energetic on yep. the left side. He's yep. down and back the whole yep. game. 100% agree. Um, I said it on the last podcast. Malassia pocketed Mohamed Salah, and I was not expecting that from from him, you know, because it's new to the Premier League. There's the old additive um, of, oh, he's from the Eredivisie. The Premier League's more physical. He's not going to get the, the same time on the ball in the same space. The players are better. But these after these games, man, I'm a fan. I'm a huge fan of Malasia. Mm. Yeah, and I think the the player that I've been the most impressed with impressed with has been Lissandro Martinez. Mm-hmm. Considering all I heard when he was signed was he's five nine, five eight, whatever he is, he's he's not going to survive in the league. He's looked twice the center back McGuire is. McGuire is what six six two, six three. He looks mm-hmm. twice. yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's true. Not only on the ball, but defensively, he's so solid. He's not afraid to be aggressive. He's very smart in the way he uses his body. It's just, you know, he's so good, in my opinion. And the way he fights for the ball, the passion he shows, I haven't seen that in a center back since Rio and Vidic. We haven't yeah. seen the passion that they show. They take pride in defending. And that's something I haven't seen in the United team since – Vidic and Rio left. Yep. And um, a point to that is today, well, I guess we should have told our listeners the, the, the scores of today. Today, Manchester United won 3-1 against Arsenal, and Arsenal started this season. <laughs> Watch him celebrate. Yeah. Arsenal started the season. Perfect. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> and I'm going to get um, Ryan and Andrew's take on this. But what epitomizes that performance is how... Ericsson, McTominay, and Fernandez played. They looked world class. I can't believe I'm saying this about McTominay, but they looked world class. The through balls from Fernandez. If you've ever played soccer with me, you know I appreciate the passing game. The through balls from Ericsson and Fernandez. I wish I wish Chelsea had players like them. I'm not even gonna lie. <laughs> not even gonna lie. But uh, um, Andrew, let me get your take on uh, Manchester United run so far. Yeah, I think they they've essentially built a solid base right now. I think if your biggest problem is Ericsson occasionally getting caught on the ball in the in a, like a deep position, then you're re- you're doing pretty well compared to where you guys were against Brentford. Like the transition from there from that point to now, it's setting you guys up to be top four contenders, like at least right now. So I think because before at Brentford. I thought you guys were just going to be scraping, just scraping by just to get in Europe at that point. Yeah, and, and that's true. What do you think, Ryan? We can't hear you again with the audio issues. <laughs> While we wait on Ryan to fix his um, audio issues, another point I wanted to make was, um, Connor, we've been going back and forth with um, the signing of Anthony and your biggest um, niche was the price tag. How do you feel about the price tag after this performance? Wow, 100 mil. <laughs> I mean, I still think the only reason it's 100 million is because we waited so late in the window to close the deal. If we had gone to sign him in June, July, he'd be 60 million, 50 million. But because mm-hmm. we waited until 
three days before the deadline to really push for it. That's the only reason it went to $100 million. Am I saying he's not worth it? No, he's a fabulous player. I think we saw it a lot today. While he's only had one training session, he still showed moments that, like, it can only go up from here. Definitely. And when you see how he's gelled with the team, can you imagine him in that starting living in a five, six game period when he's comfortable on the ball where he doesn't have to think or when he's expecting um, Dollar to make those overlapping runs at a certain point in time, it's going to be absolutely uh, brilliant. So Manchester United is definitely on the up. Um, I'm actually excited about the Manchester Derby because... That would be something to watch right now. <laughs> I, honestly, the, the reason why I'm excited about the Manchester Derby is because... If this, all right, so this was a brilliant performance. Let's take this performance and the Liverpool performance out of it. If you saw how they won against Southampton, and um, I forgot the other team. Who was the Leicester. other team they won one nil again? Leicester. Leicester. Oh, Leicester. Oh, Leicester oh, does a call. They're just horrible right now. But the the reason why I'm saying this that that um. Prior to this, Manchester United, they would have went up one nil, and some mistake, some something, so they would have just decapitated, right? They showed grit, determination, and strength to win one nil. It's not easy to win one nil in the Premier League, believe it or not. So that's why I gotta give it to him. And we have Ryan back. You wanted to give your take? Can we hear you? Yes. So okay, there you go. Congrats to Menu on winning their game. Um, you know. It was very reminiscent of Arsenal's run last year where they lost a couple of games. Yeah, man, you got obliterated by Brentford, but credit to them for winning their three games and then taking Arsenal off their winning streak. And they showed a lot of character, even though they were playing a bit more on the back foot, but they still gave it to Arsenal to where Arsenal couldn't do anything in the final end. And yeah. it was a great game for Manchester United. And right now they're on a good run and, we're going to see how far they could go with Ten Hag. Yeah, definitely. And Manchester United is solid defensively because since the season started, Arsenal has been breaking down teams. They've been they've been at it from the get-go. And there were periods in this game where I'm looking, or I'm watching this game, I'm like, are Manchester United really dominating right now? <laughs> is this where we're at right now? So, yeah, it, it, was, a, it was a good, I, I think it was a good um, run. It was a great game. So let's see how it continues. Moving on to Arsenal, I'm going to let the Arsenal boys take over. Ryan, I guess you go first. All right. (laughs) So we started the season out brilliantly, five out of five. You know, coming into this game, we're hoping, all right, Old Trafford, let's get a result. Yeah. Uh, You know, Old Trafford was rocking. Manchester United were in good form coming into this game as well, three out of three or three out of the five. And. You know, Menu, they put a roadblock on us. They showed us, hey, this is the Premier League. This is, you know, it's going to be a tough year for everyone that's involved. And Ten Hag, he's starting to get his pieces into play here. He's got Ronaldo on board. He's got Bruno Fernandes on board. Bruno's starting to play good. Uh, all the new signings came in. Anthony, 100 million. You know, you wouldn't even have thought of that. You know, no pressure on him. He took his goal well. Um, hopefully his pieces don't start to gel quickly because if not, they're going to look like a threat for the top four. 
Definitely, definitely. What um are your best moments? What, what has impressed you with Arsenal the most so far? For Arsenal, um, I want to say the inclusions of Zinchenko and Gabriel Jesus, mm. the way that they interlink within the other players. Uh, uh, Zinchenko allows Shaka to push up forward. He Shaka looks so much of a better player now. Jesus, the way he drops in, he goes into the channels, the way he links up play with Martinelli, Saka, Odegaard. He's made better players out of them. We look a lot more dangerous the way we break down teams. Not only that, the way we are defensively, the way we press teams, we're yeah. good on the counterattack. Um, the one thing is, is if Jesus or Odegaard don't show up, how does the rest of the team look like? Yeah. Have you? Um, mm. I agree. Uh, I watched the match today. And we played really well. It's just that I wish Odegaard would shoot more. Uh, Lakanga, he's one for the future, but his defensive awareness is just not there as yet. He can pass the ball forward, but he's not like Partey who can he can defend, he can link the at- from defense to attack. He's not that player as yet. But uh, it would be frustrating seeing that Odegaard couldn't finish on Saka. He had an opportunity. Yeah. And it also shows that we need uh, another right winger and we need a, a midfielder because we wanted Douglas Louise like on deadline day. I mean, why would you want to get the midfielder like on deadline day when we know we just beat the team and they are not going to sell Tillemans. They were not going to do that. You understand? I know they wanted Tillemans as well, but I don't know. I think Leicester wanted 25 mil. They could have, I, am, I guess, I don't know. We're still kneeling at eight and. He's just so crazy. But what really upset me is that Partey, he's always injured in, in crucial games. All the time. I really don't know why. At least Tenere wasn't injured. At least. <laughs> but uh, it shows how we really need a, a, a strong midfielder. Like a, a really strong midfielder. We need an established midfielder. We need an established right winger as well alongside Saka. And all of it last today, I still think we can move forward. Of course. It's just... I mean, yeah. Man United are always turn up against us, but we can still move on and, you know, win the rest of the games. Most de- definitely, yeah. We lost today, but we did show fight. We did give it to them. Yeah, and yeah. And yeah, we, we forced well. them to play on their defensive end. So all yeah, their goals yeah. were on transition counterattacking goals. I yeah, can't call Arsenal. True. Yeah, yeah. And Andrew, let me get your take. I mean, for Arsenal, it's it really just comes down to the defending, I guess, and really just keeping control of the ball when you're on the counter. Because most, this, I think, pretty much any goal that's been scored on you guys this season has mostly been on the counter, right? So I mean, oh, once you get that, oh, once you get that solidity, that defensive solidity, once people yes. are aware when they need to bust that gut to make it back and go forward, I think you guys will be fine from that perspective. Overall, just keeping it keeping it a bit tighter in the back because clearly going forward, you guys are getting that down pretty well. True. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, and last but not least, Connor. Oh, I was just gonna ask a question on one of the Arsenal fans. No. Uh, I mean, oh, yeah. you think that like as oh, a like yeah. realistically, this was your first test of the season, really? Because yeah. no, no disrespect to the five teams you played before this, but they're not like really that. They're not top six. Yeah. They're not, they're mm-hmm. not six clubs. Do you think Understand. this was sort of a wake up call for you guys? Like in a way, like uh, at uh, one point our end run had to end, yeah. Um, and of, of course it sucks that it was against Manchester United. Um, <laughs> one thing, mm-hmm. the positive that I could take away is we took the game to you guys at your house, and 
you know, if we took our chances, maybe it could have been a different game. So I do take a little bit of positives with this, but true, it is a wake true. up call to the players that we won't have it our way every game. It, it, it is yeah. it is true. I'll go next. Uh, it is true that it is a wake up call. Although we lost three one today, but they still you know they didn't play like horrible like that. They're still trying to make chances. Fabio Vera came on, he was balling and stuff like that. But although we came into the season, I'm not gonna, I'm not making excuses, but we're still missing two players at least. We still are. But uh, today it's still so that the team can fight. I mean the, the games that we played as well, uh, Bournemouth and uh, whatsoever. I can tell you for a fact, the old Arsenal will probably lose those games because we always weep under pressure when we play against those teams, to be honest. We actually do. Uh, even coming to the end of, end of the season, last season, it was the same thing as well. And, I mean, we got, got Jesus, got Zizenko, and things are a bit different. But I hope, hope in general they can reinforce because playing Man United today, I am actually scared for Arsenal against the other big six because... Spurs, okay, uh, whatever. Spurs, uh, Man City. Yeah, I, I want to see how they play against those team, but I know for a fact we can go against the other teams and get a result. So, yeah. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. Um, we're going to do Chelsea next. Uh, I'll start. Man. <laughs> Man. I can't. I can't. I can't. Um, all right, let me let me take a sub <laughs> let me take a subjective view. Thomas Tuchel, let me take a subjective view. Thomas Tuchel, he needs to stop whining and complaining about things that are his job. Yes, it was not an ideal start to start late in the transfer window because of the whole government sanctions and change of ownership. But you have players. My issue with this team is we have players set up. For to play in different types of formation, such as I, I really do believe that we can, with some work, we can get the best out of this, out of this team with a 4-3-3 and stop playing players out of position. Those key players I'm talking about is Mount and Havertz. They're two tens and they can also play as two eights. They play best off a striker. You have Armanda Broja. Play this man. It doesn't matter. He does. Sometimes you need a striker on the field. Not the squad. He's not in the squad. He's not in the 25 man CL squad. He signs a new contract with the club, six year contract, and he's not in the CL squad. Only Aubameyang is our only number nine. Yeah. We, I honestly, at, at this point in time, I don't know. with a subjective it. view, <laughs> with a subjective view, I don't expect anything major from Chelsea this season. And one of the main things is, the players you have are brilliant, but the players, their strength is playing off a striker. Sometimes, or even the last game, the last game we won controversially against West Ham 2-1. That last goal that Havertz scored, it's because he is not the focal point. He's playing off of Armanda Broja, so he gets to drift into the box. And Armanda Broja, who was a striker at the time, Drifted out wide, so at that time the the West Ham defense did not know who to pick up. Chilwell came on, made the difference because he made an overlapping run. But I'm talking about scenarios like that where he's not the focal point, so defenders are not going to focus on him. Mount play him as a midfielder. He's brilliant in midfield. Use Pulisic to his strength. When put, all right, in the first half of that game, when Pulisic and um. 
Sterling was going forward, there was a bit of brilliance because when they, they there are players that can carry the ball up the field. There are players that are built to take on people and beat them 1v1. Pul- seeing Pulisic play full flow is a thing of beauty. And he makes something happen. Versus playing Mount, yes, he plays forward passes, but he's not an out-and-out winger. The players that we brought in, he did address the defensive midfield position, which I've been screaming at for months upon months. I don't care what Georgina did in the past, how brilliant he was. He's not a holding midfielder. He's not, he's, he shouldn't be 10 feet near this team right now. That's the main issue is that we have the same issue as Arsenal. We just don't have a CDM, and there's no CDMs really in the market. Like, we had to go and get – like some dead wood that was on the bench at Juventus on loan. Like it's <laughs> know, just a Saul 2.0 loan right there. <laughs> exactly. I'm hoping Tuchel, because he's known to get um, make players better, and I've seen that um, under when Hudson Odoi had a run under him. I don't know what happened after Hudson Odoi got an injury. I guess they fell out um, while he's on loan. But I'm I can see Dennis. Um, having around in the team, taking over for Conte. Because at this point, I'd rather take a chance on him than have Georgina five feet near that team, right? We we Kovacic need a can play CDM holding that can hold that can sit in the center and hold it. We don't. We just don't exactly. have that with any player. Like Ruben Loftus Cheek is the closest player we have to that. But he, I yeah. don't know why he just doesn't look like he plays with enough confidence that the build he has essentially. Because because when he breaks out, he's not that holding. He's not a five or a. He's barely a six. He's an eight. Kovacic is an eight. Kovac- My dream midfield is to see Kovacic and Kante sitting and Mount or Havertz as that third midfielder. Because Kovacic is the person that picks the ball, takes the ball off of Kante and drives. Right? And then you can lay it off to someone who can pass the ball, which is Mount. And then you can lay it off or play a pass to one of the wingers so they can t- t- take on people. Imagine having Pulisic and Sterling and you have... Chilwell, because I think Chilwell is better than Kukuria. Say whatever you think. Making that overlapping run on Sterling, creating extra with it. It. I don't know. I don't know. I need to be a coach or something because I don't know how, how I can see it, but it's blind to Tuchel. It's it's very frustrating. He, he clearly values things differently when he makes his trade offs with the system because I think he just values some certain defensive weights more or something. Because that that's how I envision it as well at this point. Because a four three three, I mean. We, we need to do something so that we can have enough attacking, enough going forward so that whenever someone scores one, one against us, we don't have, we can actually score two. Because they, we right, clearly he, cannot lock it up on defense this season. It, it's not going to happen. Exactly. Exactly. And you know why we can't lock it up on defense this season? Cool because of that CDM. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, still, I'm not calling it on him yet. I'm giving him Bro, time. He, he's been looking shaky. Yes. Yes, he has. You know why I think a 4-3-3 would work? Remember, our fullbacks and, and our fullbacks are rated as some of the best fullbacks in world football, right? Because we have Reese James. When Chilwell was on form last season, you cannot talk game, about yeah. exactly. You could not call a, 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 the top five or ten fullbacks in the world and not call Ben Chilwell. All right. The reason why I'm saying that: imagine a system where they're bombing forward, right, and you have your CDM tucked in with that with the two centre-backs and creating a three at the back at that time when going forward, if you want to have um, some some form of base. And when the, CD, when the two full-backs drop back, you have the CDM step up more in midfield. You would have your creative midfielders 
pushing forward and you would have the width. I don't know how I can see, but no one else can. Aubameyang, no. Like you're the striker, but no. You have an Arsenal tattoo, no. I don't care how, how silly this sounds, just, I, just a no. He's definitely got to get that blacked out. Can't, can't yeah. walk on the pitch with that, with that kid on, with the arse. Once a good man. I don't even know how that gets. Let, 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 me, let me just say one more thing on, on, on my, my final rant. You're not going to use Borja. You're going to get a 33-year-old striker. I, think we, I still think we should have pushed harder for um, Rafael Leo because we wanted him. Like, apparently, they're waiting until January or next summer. And we wanted, uh, I, there were reports for Latoura Martinez earlier in the transfer window, but I don't know what happened. I think Lukaku went to Inter and told him not to go. Very sad. But... <laughs> I was, I was, no, to be fair, he told Inter to pick up Chalaba from us if we were going we to ship him off anywhere. Exactly. Um, let me just have the other boys get their subjective view on this. Um, let's start with Connor this time. <laughs> I mean... Your transfer window has been a shambles, in my opinion. <laughs> You've overspent on every single player. Yeah. Brighton's absolutely robbed you on that one. <laughs> Yo, Gilmore is bro. Gilmore. Yeah, million, and they won the Champions League semifinalists for half, like a, for like a quarter of that. They exactly. And same thing with Leicester. I know Fafan is a good player, but they've robbed you with that one. Eighty million. Nah, he was not. Nah, yeah, not worth that. Not not worth. I don't know what the add-on structure is, but that's a robbery. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then even Aubameyang, like Barca's made a profit off you. Yeah, exactly, they got him for free. They got him for free and sold him for what? It was like 15, 15? 12, 12 plus add-ons. Plus, yeah. uh, they got Alonso. So man, we just terminated Alonso's I mean, contract too. Yeah. I don't think Aubameyang is gonna gonna cut it for you. I think I I it's gonna sound cliche, but the the Chelsea nine curse is real. <laughs> I've never seen a nine thrive at Chelsea. <laughs> See, apart from Diego Costa, was the last one to thrive for you guys. Yes, definitely, definitely. Uh let me hear what you think, Ryan. What it is with you? Uh for Aubameyang, I'm not a big fan of him going to Chelsea. Uh, hopefully, the Chelsea curse does happen, so he can't score what nine goals a season. That's how the curse works, or something. Yeah, can't so, go over ten. It, it doesn't help that he already came in hurt. Um, unfortunate accident uh, on his end. Um, probably Arsenal so, fans. <laughs> probably, I, I wouldn't put it past though. But um, you know, the signings of Zachariah, that scream is like, oh, we just need someone here. You know, Conte, they can't trust on his uh, fitness. Jorginho, you know, he's having off games way too frequently. Um, Fofana, I, th- I do think Fofana was a good deal. I uh, Probably it'll take a season or two for him to get fully running. He looks like he's a great defender. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he will come of age soon for you guys, especially once, you know, Thiago Silva goes. I, I do believe Fofana will be great for you guys. Striker is something of an issue for you guys. Previously, I don't understand why you guys kept Rocha. I do think you probably should have let him go, maybe on loan again. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially for on his end, I if, if I was Rocha, it's like, hey, I want playing time. He did good for Southampton, t- uh, two goals, and getting a good look at him. Sterling started the season on fire for you guys, mm-hmm. and you know, where's the rest of the season going to go for Tuchel? What what is he looking at the rest of the squad for? What does he want out of him? 
Yeah, Javier. Uh, it is a big question mark for Chelsea. Okay. Javier. Uh, when when I look at Chelsea's transfer window, who they have signed, uh, I to me I just thought is like the owner is just going around trying to coach players, just random players. I don't know. I don't know Chelsea doesn't have a technical director, so they're just going around to see who they can get to you know fill in some holes. Uh, I still think that they need a number nine. Okay, they got a banging, but he's old. And I don't know if he'll be firing again, yes or no. I've been seeing that they should actually play Roger. Like, he's free. He's the academy player, so why not just play him? Uh, for Fana, I agree, he's a good signing. Costs a lot of money, but he's a good signing. Uh, I play along with William Silva at um, St. Etienne. Uh, sorry, I came with that. Uh, Dennis Zakaria, I think he's a, uh, I think he's a good signing too. Mm-hmm. I think it's a good signing too, but with Jorginho, Kovacic, I'm not sure how he's going to fit in right now. Who you gonna Don't call in? that heathen's name. Jorginho is not a part of Chelsea anymore. Oh, wow. I'm excluding he's... him. He's, he doesn't make sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, Sterling, I really think Sterling is that signing that they actually needed. Okay, he was okay at Man City, but, but I really think he's that signing that they actually needed, to be honest. I, I just... I'm not really convinced that he's going to help them reach where they want to reach. But that's just me. So. Yeah. I, I'm going to say something controversial, but if things don't pick up within the next two games, that, that's including the Champions League, I think Tuchel could lose his job by the end of December. You think Bowie should... Oh, we lost Andrew Deere. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I feel like Chelsea have committed a lot of money into investing into Tuchel. Yeah, yeah, right. If it was under the Roman era, he'd be gone by now. Um, the reason why I I said that, if you look at it this way, imagine you're Todd Bowley. You came in. You yes, you started late, but you gave a coach what he's asking for because the the way the structure is at Chelsea right now, um, it's. Tell me what you want. I will try my best to go and get it. Oh, we got Andrew back. You were saying Andrew before you got cut out. No, I was saying, do you think Bowley's just as like ruthless as Abramovich, essentially? Yeah. Because I don't think I don't he's... think you invest two hundred mil and then not give the guy his time if he's the one that picked out that picked out these players. Yeah, I feel like you. But you... That means you're committing to giving him like two years to like work with these players, get something out of them, and if he doesn't in two years, then you got to scrap that. Okay, I agree. I understand. Season at best. But I, I think you guys can all agree that you don't spend. Remember, we spend the most money out of everybody, and we're nowhere, not, a, not even a foot closer to looking towards challenging, right? For the yeah. Premier League title. Even Manchester United looks better than us, and as much as it hurts to say so, they look, they look better going forward, and they look like they have a structure. The, one of the reasons why I think he's going to come under scrutiny, it's because he keeps complaining and his. Complaints makes no sense. He's getting fined by the FA, right? He's complaining about trivial. Okay, but you're getting your. You see, if he did that um, without the other whining and complaining, oh, the bus didn't arrive on time. Mm-hmm. You're throwing players under the bus. Yes, you got a tune out of them, but you're making yourself, you're setting yourself up for failure when majority of the time. What you're complaining about is your job to get these players better. You say that these players look weak and they're easy to play against. 
whose job is it to toughen them up or set them up in a structure where they know what to do and can defend? Who whose job is that? That's your job. You're putting yourself under further scrutiny when there's no need to do that. You lose the game, say, okay, it's on us. It's my bad. You hold your head down and you go again. Take yourself out of the media. Because when the media, we've seen this in England in the past, when the media is, is has targeted a coach, the whole, the whole, everything, everyone, everything's coming down on right? That coupled with the amount of money a new, a new um, ownership comes in and gives you, there's kind of no excuse. You want a Champions League first, cool, you got money in the back. You got a bit of money in the back. But this is the first coach in Chelsea's history that has have that have had such an impact on the team. So if what I'm saying is if things continue there where it's a flip flop, you win you win a game, there's no consistency, the coach keeps moaning, I think it's best for him to go. If we're below eight and it's looked pathetic, oh wait Connor, you say so? Okay. You were saying um Connor? Uh, I was saying just like who out there is going to replace him right now? So say you sack him in two weeks, who you put him in charge? There's no real right now, right now. Um, that I say Potter. I say Graham Potter or Pochettino. No, Potter's neither. They're higher neither. Than neither. Like, is that? But, is that really, is Pochettino really the answer to your problems? That's the thing. He's definitely not. So, I definitely don't believe he is. He couldn't even do it in Liga. But Ligon, but you have to remember PSG is different. PSG is a hundred percent different. When a player has a problem, they go to the hierarchy. The coach has no say. He would have enough power at um, Chelsea. He had, you would have the money at Chelsea, and he could inflict, um, reflect his style of football on Chelsea. And the club nah. is run different from PSG. I guess that is a it's dilemma. <laughs> <laughs> DNA linked in him. Yeah. Exactly. Before <laughs> the final topic on Chelsea, before we move on, I wanted to get each of you guys um I um thought on that call in the West Ham game. Was it a foul on Mendy? Not a foul, no. Never. Robbery at its finest. <laughs> yeah, hey, that ain't no foul. That ain't no foul, no. No, it's not. <laughs> Mendy realized he's not getting to that second ball and rolled around holding that ball. <laughs> I, oh, that's all I have to say about this. That Mendy played his part to get that. Ball. He played his part. I'm, I'm glad that he did what he did to like manipulate the ref's decision. This is part of the game now, I guess. Okay, I 100 percent agree. But you know what caused that, Jorginho? He gave a loose ball um, away. I, I forgot who it was James did something involved in that. No, no before he got to Reese James. Yeah, it was before he got to Reese James. Georgina messed up. I'm blaming him for everything. I don't care. Whatever. I don't want him five minutes in the team. Like, you know, he was still part of the starting 11 that won the Champions League, right? Like, give him a But he had Conte. The, the amount of saving Conte had to save him, bro. Well, that, he's, he was top three in the Ballon d'Or team. <laughs> Doesn't matter. <laughs> one more team more. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't want to win team. Uh, but I guess we'll see how Chelsea progress. All right, Liverpool. 
man, <laughs> who wants to start? Because this is a, I don't know, Rad, kick it off for us. <laughs> uh, yeah, Liverpool, it seems a little reminiscent of the COVID era where they just were riddled with injuries and Klopp was just moaning about the schedule, moaning about all his players being out. Referee decision, they're just very reminiscent about that. Uh, they got Arthur coming in. Um, curious to see how he does in the place of Thiago. Mm-hmm. Um, their main thing is Salah is not performing as well as he normally does. Should uh, I kept money? Yeah, you know, <laughs> should have they have given him a contract as well instead of letting him go? They're they're top heavy and defense. They're leaking in goals. Last game, yeah, they came out of draw. They could have lost against Everton as well. Mm-hmm. Um. So I'm curious to see how they turn up, especially with Champions League around the corner. Yeah, Javier. Javier, you still with us? Yeah, I am. Uh, Liverpool, they start off really rocky. And boy, it's been a journey for them. Arsenal, you know, Arsenal wanted Arthur as well. And I'm just surprised to see Liverpool actually picked him up on loan because Arsenal was so against it. It's a really surprising loan signing. And they didn't even play him, which was, okay, that's crazy. But they start off really, really, really rough. They really miss Mane because uh, Mane was literally carrying the team. Not, when not really carrying the team, but yeah, when Salah was, was performing, he was he was the one. He's the X factor in that team. You get what I'm saying? So losing Mane right now, they have Darren Nunes. Boy, I don't know how how their future is gonna be. But mm. boy, I wish them all the best. You know, <laughs> I really do. But I hope to see Darren Nunes actually, you know, score goals and perform because he's really a bright prospect. I hope he can at least try to fill in that void that Mane left. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Andrew? I mean, honestly, it's a, it's a little surprising with Liverpool because even with the injuries that they do have, I, I think that, like, the spine of their team is still there. Like, Van Dyke is still starting most games. They still have Salah in the team. They still have Henderson, whether he's on the bench or not. His leadership. They still have Allison and Gold. They still have like their spine there. So I'm still surprised that they're doing this poorly, given the injuries. Yeah, um, so for me, they're performing. A hundred percent. I think Van Dijk needs a day off. They need. They need to. Um, if I'm being honest, uh, given the first um, starts the game, the, the start of the league, I think. Salah needs to be dropped now that Jota is back because Jota can play on the wing. I think you need to take because Salah is contributing absolutely nothing. It is, and I know people are going to say the way Liverpool play, you have to get him the ball, get the front three the ball, but okay, the, the, the front three has to produce something, have to that one chance that create something. Did your midfield is not doing it? You're going to drop back and kind of take. The scruff on the neck, take the game by the scruff on the neck. If you were that marquee guy, remember, they said, okay, we're not going to give Mane the contract, we're going to give you the contract. So you have to show up and show out. Luis Diaz, the only one that's working for me, electric. Um, Club, as the coach, made some bad decisions and some bad calls. Over the last two games, Firmino, brilliant. Firmino was looking like the Firmino of old. Just because Nunes is Nunes is back, how do you drop him for? How do you drop Bobby Firmino, who scored in the last two games and assisted, had a brilliant game against Bournemouth? How do you drop him to bring in Nunes, who's new to the league, 
still has to earn his spot and still has to gel with the team. I just don't know. Connor, let, let, let's get your thoughts. I mean, yeah, you guys have pretty much said it all. Like, Salah has been firing the way he has in previous seasons. Like I said before, when we were talking about Man United, when they played at Old Trafford, I forgot Salah was even on the field. He was invisible the whole game, popped up with a goal in the last 10 minutes, but I think that was one of his only touches of the ball in the whole game. I think Van Dyke, he set his – the standards that he set were so high that now that it's dropping, everyone thinks it's this big crisis that he's terrible and all this. Van Dyke's still a brilliant defender. It's just he's making – like normal mistakes for a defender. But since he was so flawless for those two, three seasons, everyone thinks it's this big shock that now now he's past it. He needs to go. He needs to be dropped. I think Liverpool are going to be fine in the end of all this. I think they're still going to finish top four. They still have a good enough team just because they've started. I don't think they're going to mount the title charge at this point, but I still think they're going to finish top four comfortably, maybe make a run in the Champions League. But – I think they could get a system where Nunez and Firmino are playing together. Firmino's dropping as a 10. Nunez plays up top. And just you have to have Firmino in the team. You have to. Yeah. He links the yeah, place so much. And, like, I talk with my brother-in-law about this all the time. He's a Liverpool fan. No one really, like, sees how important Firmino is until you watch Liverpool play. Whenever it was him, Salah, Mane, he would just he would open so much space for the two of them. Whereas Nunez wants to be in the box and score. Firmino wants to drop deep, get on the ball, or make these dummy runs for Salah and Mane and behind. Nunez mm-hmm. wants to be in the box and score. So it's a different it's a it's a different system with Nunez in it. Yep. Uh I hundred percent agree. Uh Leicester as one of our main teams to talk about. Oh, simply because I don't think anyone expected Leicester to be this bad. Leicester City I don't even think they won. Did they win a game this season no. so far? No, no, exactly. Uh, no. One? No, I think it's mm. Oh, yeah, my. They have, like, they have like one point in the league right now, just one. The, wow, yeah. That, that's. Yeah, um, yeah. We played, yeah, we played them really for bad. like 75 minutes with 10 men and they couldn't beat <laughs> they're, they're still, And we are horrible right now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, let's kind of like pick apart Lister at the, at the moment. Um, I, I'll go first. I think we're. I think it, it's the a, a transfer window because they lost a couple of big players, and Brendan Rodgers has been moaning about bringing in recruitment. He didn't get the money to really bring in anyone, um. So he's been relying on that squad. I think I'm about two seasons now, so maybe that's taking an effect. They, because what Leicester did before, they would have some control in games and then hit you on a counter. They use Jamie Vardy for his pace. Madison would have brilliant with brilliance at time. Tillemans at brilliance with times. And they would win games. Some games they would grind up, but they're losing that edge. And I'm I'm not sure where they're gonna finish at the end of the season. Um Javier You still here? Yeah I'm here. Um Lester I know they're going through some financial problems right now. This is really difficult. I can't recall if they actually bought someone in the transfer window. I don't think so. So there's no reinforcement wow. came in then. And it is, they're having a really rough time. So I I can't blame them for anything right now. They decide no one. They just have the same players from ever since. And no improvement. They lost for Fana. I mean, I mean, they got money, but remember, they're going through financial problems. So they need to cover that loss with 
just for fun and money. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know, it's just rough on them right now. But I, will they get relegated? It's really, it's really early to determine if they get relegated right now. I hope not, because they, they came back not, not to, they came back recently, you get me? So, let's just see what's going to happen with them. I hope, I hope they don't get relegated. They're a good team. Something. Definitely, right? Yeah, not only that, they also lost Schmeichel too. Um, I don't know what it is with Brendan Rodgers. He's not starting Soyuncu. Uh, he was key to them and their top five finishes in the last couple of seasons. I know last season a lot of their players got hurt. But with no one coming in and a couple of the key players leaving, it's not a good look. And if they don't pick up results, I can see Brendan Rodgers also losing his job as a result of it. Yeah, definitely. Connor? Um, I mean, I think my biggest thing for Leicester with watching them play against United was I was just confused by their formation for a bit. <laughs> they had on the right side, but they're they all over the place. Side. Yeah. Madison would always tuck inside. So their right side, it was just a 1v1 with, uh, I think it was Castagna at right back. Or no, James mm-hmm. Justin at right back. And mm-hmm. it was 2v1 with Sancho and Malasia the whole game. Like yeah. Madison, where to be found on the right? He wants he wants to play the ten. Uh, they did bring in a center back from uh, from Liga, Belgian center back. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know how to pronounce his name. It's like mm-hmm. Faiz. Yeah. Uh, he's Belgian center back. But I mean, they have so many issues. I think goalkeeper is the biggest one. They have a, a starting goalkeeper who has been the backup in almost every team he's played for. In recent years, he hasn't been a starting keeper for. I think he's been at Leicester for four or five years now. Behind Michael, he's been at he's been at Leicester for a while, and for now, for him to be the starting keeper, it's definitely something that's affected the team. I think Schmeichel's been the biggest loss of all of them. I think Fafana is somebody you can you can like fix with your team, but not replacing Schmeichel has been their biggest issue, in my opinion, because he mm-hmm. bring he brings. The, not only quality and goal, but leadership. He was the club captain. Mm-hmm. You've lost your club captain for one million, and you haven't brought in anybody to replace him. Mm-hmm. It's. I think that was their their biggest mistake was letting Schmeichel go. Okay. Okay. And Andrew. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely agree with Connor there with Schmeichel because that communication at the back is definitely key because he he used to yell at them when he was in mm-hmm. when he was in goal. So I imagine a lot of that is lost now with that substitute keeper. But I definitely disagree with Javier. I hope they get relegated. One, mostly just to pick <laughs> off players from their team when they get relegated because they're going to have to sell more players. And I would love yeah. to just pick off some midfielders from them, take a Tillemans, put them in our bench for dip, depth or something. Like, I just somebody. <laughs> yeah, that's good. And, and last, um, for the Premier League wrap-up, our teams that we're discussing and picking apart, Aston Villa made the list. And you guys know why they made the list for nothing good, of course. Uh, actually, one good thing. They drew with Manchester City yesterday, so maybe this can be a turning point. I'm going to have Ryan go first um, and his take on this. Yeah, they showed some fight against City. Uh, they held in. Um, Douglas Luiz, I remember he scored back-to-back corner goals. He looked brilliant. Arsenal tried to uh, sign him last day. This, uh, transfer window didn't happen. Um, the one thing with Villa, they look a little disjointed a lot of times when they're defending um, slightly all over the place, or they're even they pack their box in and they don't really get a good transition. 
Uh, I think Steven Jordan has to find the right balance out of his squad, but he has a good group of players. He just has to get the best out of them. Yep, yep. Uh, Javier? Yeah. Austin Villa, yes, the best thing that they did was to draw with Man City because Gerard, Gerard, his job is on the line right now and he better start to pick up. Uh, his next game, I cannot remember what his next game is, but he has to win that game. The only reason why he's still manager right now because he drew with Man City. Liam Bailey saved him, to be honest. Mm. Uh, they had, I know they got, um, I think they signed Karma and Diego, was it Diego Carlos they signed, that centre back um, that they signed mm. recently. Um, yeah. Those are actually really good signing, but I just don't know what's going on with Gerard. And you know that debate, Gerard versus Lampard debate. <laughs> Boy, that, that, that is some debate right there. Arsenal Lampard's yeah. winning! Yeah. Lampard's winning! Yeah, Arsenal beats oh. Everton soon, so let's just see what's going to happen with that. <laughs> but I don't know who's going get, to get sacked first, but uh, I, feel I feel it's going to be Gerard, maybe. It might be Gerard, but uh, let's just see what's going on. But, yeah, yeah, he's in the dirt right now. Andrew? Yeah, with Villa, I think ultimately it looks like they just lack a bit of chemistry. Like, they don't know where to instinctively run to when each person gets the ball sometimes. And I feel like if they can get just get that click going on, then they'd be good going, like, make, linking that play from midfield to forwards. But ultimately, I think Tyrone Mings is too error-prone to, like, bring them to the levels that they're trying to get to. They're uh, they're like they're trying to establish themselves as like a top eight team. Ideally, is my guess. So, mm-hmm. and I don't think Tyron Mings he makes too many errors to for a top eight team. Essentially, he's going to make too many errors leading to goals. Okay, and Connor. Um, yeah, I mean, they haven't had a great start to the to the season, but. At the same time, I think their two new signings might show them up. Then Donker from Wolves. I think that's a good signing. Premier League proven, solid center mid. He can play center mid, CDM, mm-hmm. center back, whatever. And then same thing with uh, Jan Benderek from Southampton they signed. Another, another Premier League proven back. Like uh, I think it was Andrew saying, Tyrone Mings, while he was the club captain, obviously like he he can't. He can't be starting every week for that team. He's not good enough. The only reason he's in the England team is because he's the only left-footed center back they've got. Mm-hmm. The only reason he's mm-hmm. ever near the England team. Mm-hmm. But uh, somebody mentioned Diego Carlos. He actually he's like tore his Achilles or something in like the second game. So he's out for a lot of the season, I think. So I think that was a big loss for Villa because you just signed this brilliant center back, your marquee signing of the summer, and goes and gets a terrible injury first game of the season and an Achilles injury is tough to come back from as a player mm-hmm. so yeah. it'd be interesting to see how it goes the rest of the season but I think Villa will still I think they'll be all right for Villa's standards I don't think they'll go down I think they'll they'll get out of this relegation battle it's still only six games I think there's still time for the team to gel they've made a couple new signings once they gel I think Steven Gerrard we saw with Rangers like he can he can do a job and so I think mm-hmm. definitely better than Lampard. <laughs> <laughs> okay, guys, uh, thank you for your take on the Premier League. Uh, that's been the final whistle's take on the Premier League and the teams that have caught the spotlight. Moving on, we're going to go around the table because um, just before we get to Champions League, we have to talk about the summer transfer window because it closed midweek. I... 
the marquee signing for me is a player that I love and went to one of the clubs I hate the most. Everyone knows it's two, actually, Casemiro and Anthony. I think, well, yes, I do agree with Connor as he spoke about um, previously. The price for Anthony at this stage in his career is not worth it because he needs to d- give us more productivity before he's worth $100 million. I haven't seen him playing today, haven't followed him through his time at Ajax. I'm glad he got the step up, and I think he could potentially be the new Brazilian showboat because everyone knows I'm a huge Brazilian fan. And, yes, so him, Casemiro, those are two marquee signings for me that I want and I expect um, high impact from. From a Chelsea's perspective, as much as I don't like the Arsenal connection, I hope Aubameyang can finish, can at least get 15 goals this season or maybe even 20 because we need we need something to, to, to patch for now. Um, Skamaka going to West Ham is another one that's, I think, under the low-key under the radar, but I think he could come good. Skamaka could definitely come good. Neil Mope goes from Brighton to Everton. Let's see if we can get something um, out of that. And my last signing of the window is, I have to say so much, Manuel Akanji to City. I did not see that one coming because... Previously on the show, I've ranted about how Harbley's defending was at Dortmund because Dortmund can't defend for nothing. But I'd say, hey, City, picked him up. City also signed Haaland and um, Alvarez. So, yeah, those are just my some of my marquee signings from the transfer window. Um, I'm going to have Ryan go next for his signings. All right. Uh, so, Jesus to Arsenal. That was probably Arsenal's biggest signing. He's been in day one. He's fitting well. Sterling to Chelsea, another great signing there. Uh, Spurs, I wouldn't say they have one marquee signing. They have. We lost your audio. We lost your audio. Good. What I hear you. I'm gonna have um Javier go ahead, and then when Ryan comes back in. Uh for me, yeah, Gabriel Jesus as well. He has been a really brilliant signing, and this is uh position which Arsenal really needed like really bad because Lacazette Abanyang would have been misfiring for the past few well I was gonna say season but months months when he mm-hmm. signed that new contract three hundred fifty thousand uh a week he has been been my marquee signing of the season to be honest and <clears throat> things will get better all the way lost today things will get much better you just need to gel more gel more and you start to score more goals and assisting Mm-hmm. He's that player that we really miss. I keep saying this because we've been starving for a striker. Mm-hmm. We've been starving for a striker for so long, man. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, he's a really good player. And I'm happy that we bought him for, what, $45 million? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I just wanted, before I continue, guys, um, I just wanted to ask the Arsenal boys, what did they think about Fabio Vieira? Because he was good last season before he joined Arsenal. And I, I, I don't know why Arteta is not playing him. Uh, I'll go first. Uh, he's a really good player. He haven't played yet, but he haven't played like start and played. But he came off the bench and he showed that he's promising and he can do what he wants to do to play as an eight. I okay. still think okay. he has uh, enough potential. He's still young. He's twenty-three. So when he start playing games, he can move along, move along the lines and help us to pass the ball better and retain the ball as well. 
because we really need a player who can keep the ball in position and make you know slow down the game and we can control the tempo and just move forward and attack defend. Yeah. Wonderful, wonderful. Uh Connor. Um well of course Anthony to United. Uh big money for a big player. Uh Martinez, another one. Uh great signing in my opinion. Uh one that I think is everybody's marquee signing is Holland. He's got mm-hmm. ten goals in six games. I think in his two games where he scored hat tricks, he only had sixteen touches of the ball and scored yeah, a hat trick in both of them. Insane. So I think like he's obviously and for the money they got him for, it's probably best deal of the summer, in my opinion. I mean, I know he's he's most talked about player, but you have to be honest here. It's probably the best deal of the summer. Yeah, yeah, because they only got him for like 62 mil. Uh, Andrew? Yeah, my signings would probably be Richarlison to Tottenham. I feel like he essentially solves the depth that they need now that they have four players up front that essentially – guarantees you some kind of combination for a goal, which in an Antonio Conte side is really valuable considering how they play so counterattacking all the time and very defensive. Mm-hmm. For Chelsea, I mean, the only player we didn't overpay for was Sterling. Has to be him. Mm-hmm. Definitely good value for that money. And then I would probably say, yeah, United with Casemiro because – this mark, this window, there's no CDMs available essentially, and yet they were able to pull a rabbit out of a hat with that one and get a world class CDM out of this market, which is something that Chelsea could not do at all. And we had to sign again, Juventus Deadwood. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, uh, Dennis was a big signing when he was going to Juventus, um, at that time, so maybe he could respark his career and, um, bring us something that we're missing. Ryan, can you hear us? Yeah, I can hear you guys. Mm-hmm. All right, so, yeah, your marquee signings? Uh, for me, definitely, uh, to reiterate, uh, Connor, it was definitely Holland. Guy's a machine. Um, <laughs> the question is, how many goals will he score this season, and who's going to stop him? Um, mm-hmm. Other than that, you know, based off of um, Chelsea's, Chelsea was Sterling, Um uh, Liverpool, Nunez, he's still, you know, big question mark. Will he score a lot of goals? And a lot of it is going to be dependent on how fit the squad is for Liverpool. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And that kind of summarizes our um, transfer talk roundup. And with that sound, you know what comes next. It's back, baby. The Champions League, the greatest competition in Europe, apart from the World Cup. We kick off this week. <laughs> the Champions League draw was made this week. And I picked out a few groups because we don't have enough time to go through every single group. So I just picked out the major groups and what I think are the may, um, the more exciting um, games out of this group. So we're going to go with Group A. Um, Ajax, Liverpool, Napoli, Group C, Barca, Munich, Inter, and Victoria Pison. Group E, Chelsea, um, Milan, Salzburg, Azagreb, and uh, Group H, Juventus, Benfica, PSG, 
and uh, Maccabi Haifa. If I butchered any of those club names, I formally apologize. Javier, you wanted to take Group H to Group A? Uh, you want to kickstart with Group A? Um, yeah, it's a really interesting group. And, you know, a Scottish team is in that as well, Rangers. So let's get kick-started off. Uh, Ajax, the last two players, Martinez and uh, Anthony. Did they lose anybody else? I'm not sure. I don't think so, mm-hmm. but those are two players that they lost who are really crucial to their team. Uh, Liverpool, you know how Liverpool is right now. They're on, on and off, on and off. The last money, really crucial to their side. And I cannot even say how they would do in this group right now. Uh, Napoli? Mm. Napoli? I can give them a go-ahead as they can compete in that group. Mm-hmm. Rangers, they lost against Celtic 4-1. Uh, 4-1, so I mean... <laughs> hey, hey, I'm not, I'm not going to jump to conclusions right now, but I don't think they're ready. But... Um, <laughs> I, I still think I still think Ajax can do some damage in that group. Liverpool, if they can find back form before that Champions League um, match, they they can at least do something. Napoli, they're good, they're good. They can um, do their thing. But uh, for me, I think Ajax will top that group. Liverpool second, Napoli third, and Rangers will be um, be last. Yeah. Okay. Okay, thank you, Javier. Um, for the rest of the boys, what we're gonna do, we're gonna go around and I want you guys to give me your marquee matches. Um, top four and maybe dark horse dark horse. Um so let's go with group A again, Ajax, Liverpool, Napoli, Rangers. Let's go with Connor first. Connor either. I guess we lost his audio again. Um Ryan, let's go first. Okay. With group A, you want me to go first? Yes. Okay, Group A. Um, I want to see Ajax and Liverpool. That is looking like a good matchup there. Uh, I uh, Ajax, how they do without Ten Hag and a couple of their key players going to Man U. Liverpool with the rotation of their squad. So that's an interesting matchup there. Yeah. Um, Andrew? I'm thinking Liverpool-Ajax will be interesting. Overall, I think this. I think that the when the Champions League comes back is when They'll probably kickstart Liverpool's season in the Premier League too, mostly because they historically historically do well in European competition. Overall, I think it'll be a walk in the park for Liverpool and Napoli, just because I think Ajax has sold off too much of their star players to really compete with uh, with the with the rest in the in that group. Okay, um, and last but not least, Connor. Um, I think. Liverpool will kick on in the Champions League. I think they're usually they're usually very good in the Champions League, so I think they'll cruise cruise through the group. Really, I think second place, Napoli. Like I think uh, uh, Andrew was just saying, I actually just lost too many players: Haller, Gravenberg, Martinez, Anthony, Onana, and Goal. They've just they've mm-hmm. lost too many players. I think mm-hmm. they'll finish third in Rangers' bottom. Okay, okay. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Uh, meanwhile, Group C. Uh, okay, I'm sorry. I forgot to give my... Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with the same list. Uh, Liverpool, Napoli, Ajax. Ajax to be a dark horse to kind of push. Because we've seen in the past um, in certain groups where it goes down to the last game of the season. I think it might go down to the last game of the, six, of the season for the, run-up, for the run-up for that group. Even though Napoli did start the season brilliantly. Um, but that's just my take. 
Uh, group C, we see Barca, Munich, Inter, and Victoria Paisen. I'm going to go first, and I think it's going to be Munich and Inter Milan. Say what you want. I know you guys are thinking I'm crazy. I just have a feeling that Inter Milan <laughs> are going to do something in this group. If it is Barca and Munich, I don't think it's going to be straightforward. I think it's going to you're going to have some tricky games. I think it's going to go to maybe the last game of that um, season. I see Carter looking at me weird like I'm crazy, so I'm going to go with Carter next. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I, I do agree with you buying top, but no. <laughs> I think Boris is taking second. I think it'll be tight between... Bayern Barca, but Barcelona under Xavi has been a different team. They're actually they're playing good football. Overall, I think the signings they've made have been great. Lewandowski, Rafinha, Kunde, <clears throat> like some great signings in there. I don't think Inter Milan have done enough to where they can push into that second spot. I think it'll be comfortable for Bayern and Barca to get through. And then Inter second and then yeah. Sure. <laughs> bye. You can't even pronounce it. Bye. Have you? Have you? Hello. Yeah, we hear you. Yeah. Um. Bayern, Barca, intern, and well, Victoria. Paisen. <laughs> yeah. You know, Barca. They seem to be catching a bit of form right now. They really are an intern. But the last three two to AC Milan just recently. Um you know I still think Barca can do some damage with, with that rebuild right now. I think they can. They've a decent front three, you know. And Kunde A man can hope. A man hey, can hope. Hey, Kunde is a really good defender. I saw that pass that pass to going towards Lewandowski has been really good to be honest. He rejected Chelsea, so I hope he feels miserably. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um Bayern, can can Bayern still dominate Barca? I still think they can. I think they top the group either way still. Barca second, Inter and third, and Paisen has to go to the Europa League. That's that's mm-hmm. what's it, to be honest. But the but game it, to watch is still uh, Bayern versus um, Barca. That's the game to watch in that group, to be honest. After. Yeah, Lewandowski going back, got something to prove. Because remember that yeah. interview you gave? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we'll, we'll see. Uh, Andrew? Yeah, I, def- I got Bayern, Barca, Paisen, then Inter. Not because wow! Inter will finish bottom, but because I really want them to, because I, I just hate what Lukaku has done to us. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to lie, you're salty. <laughs> okay, I guess that guess you heard it all, right? Um, I did see Victoria... Getting points off of someone, I don't know who yet. Um, <laughs> I do want to say uh, say better on Bayern and Barca. Inter, you know, maybe they just might miss out. It, it all depends on who wins the most games at home in the Champions League. So, yeah, Bayern Barca, I want to go with. Bayern Barca. So, I'm the only Inter fan here. Oh, wow. <laughs> a bunch of haters. But then again, Lukaku. I'm with Andrew. I changed my, I changed my vote. I changed my vote. I'm with Andrew. They finished by Lukaku scores their own goal against Paisen. <laughs> exactly. Okay, let's move on to Group E. 
Um, the reason why Group E is in here is not because of Chelsea, but because of how bad Chelsea has been. And um, Salzburg, as we've seen in the past, they've, they've um, performed in the group stages. And Milan, Milan won the, their league last year, and they started the season where they left off. So given how Chelsea has been bad, and I know what I can get from Salzburg, as controversial as this may sound, Chelsea might finish third. We shouldn't. If we finish third, sack Tuchel, kick him out the door, he's not worth it anymore. But am I wrong in really saying that there could be a slip-up against these two teams? Javier? Uh, I don't think they can be. I mean, for the ball game, the football is round. Anything can happen. So, I mean, it is a slip-up. It is what it is, to be honest. That's all I can say. That's all I can say. But, um, as I say, the games are played for a reason. I don't really want to put anything controversial out, so I'd rather just say that than put myself in the dirt. You understand? <laughs> That's just me. <laughs> Yeah, but as a Chelsea fan, I'm looking at it, I'm trying to look at it as a a subjective view, from a subjective view. Um, We haven't been great, and the way we played haven't filled me with any confidence, because these teams, they have absolutely nothing to lose. We are expected to finish the group top. We're expected to be flawless, with maybe a slip-up against AC Milan, because they've been playing brilliantly. But at the same time, um, I you can't put it past them for a slip up based on how we started, but for to give my top my my finish Chelsea to top the table after all of that Chelsea to top the table AC Milan second and uh, we're gonna go uh, Salzburg third and Dynamo Zagreb um to finish fourth. Uh, Connor, you keep looking at me like I have no sense. So we're gonna go with you next. But answer my question though. Before, before you go, answer my question. Is it wrong for me to expect um, a potential slip up from Chelsea? I mean, no, I expect it from United every year, but you, you <laughs> said, oh, that's why I was giving you the face. <laughs> After all of what I said, I know. Uh, but give us your thoughts on the group. Um, I think Milan pops it. I think just off recent form, they've been phenomenal. I think their team is just very good. Rafael Leao's. Incredible. The numbers put up last week so good. And Giroud's mm. coming back to haunt you. I'll tell you that now. <laughs> he is. I think Chelsea will finish second. Mm. I don't think I don't think you're gonna drop out. I think it'll be close with Salzburg, but I think Salzburg third and then Azagurb <laughs> yeah. uh, fourth. Yep. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Ryan? Uh, one thing we do got to consider, uh, World Cup is affecting Champions League big this year. So, like I said with the previous group, how you take care of your business at home is how you approach your away games. Mm-hmm. Uh, can Chelsea take it to Salzburg and Dinamo Zagreb at their homes? That's a big question mark there, especially with squad rotation and Premier League coming in uh, weekends. So that's going to be a little tough. Uh, but I do see them going through. They have enough quality. Uh, and most likely they're going to be competing top spot with Milan. So Milan, Chelsea. Okay. And Andrew? Yeah, I got it. Chelsea, Milan, Salzburg, Dynamo, Zagreb. Mostly because I think similar to Liverpool, we're going to use the Champions League as a bit of a springboard to try to get our season started. 
kind of like the inverse of last season where we did well all the way up until we got a little bit into the Champions League and kind of just capitulated a bit. Yeah. Okay. All right. Thank you guys for your roundup on Group E. Last but not least, um, the next group of death, which I, which I think could be tricky, um, Juventus, Benfica, PSG, and Maccabi Haifa. Um, Juventus, Juventus aren't necessarily sparkling, but they're still a big name. Um, I fully expect uh, PSG to go there and dominate, but I think uh, the dark horse, which is why I put them uh, in the discussion, the dark horse could be Benfica. Yes, they did lose Nunes, but Benfica is like a factory. They just keep producing quality, um, and I expect them to show up. And PSG, PSG, I have a feeling that PSG, well, they started the season brilliantly. They're due for some form of mess-up. They're due for some, kind of, for some form of odd result. Maybe it won't be in the group stage, but I think they're going to draw somewhere, and PS, and then the pressure is going to be going to add on to them. So, for vi- all that being said, I think and Vlasic has started the season well. I think Di Maria, going back to Hartlem, I don't know if Chiesa is going to be back in time, maybe for the second leg. So I think it's going to be Juventus, PSG, and Benfica. And then Haifa high at the end. Andrew? I said, I'm going to be a little controversial with this. I'm going to say PSG, Benfica, Juventus. I just... I, I... I don't know why. I think I have a bias against Italian league teams, but I always <laughs> feel like they're just not up to par when it comes when it, when it comes to the that when it comes to the beating when it comes to really mm-hmm. defending. Even though like mm-hmm. they're supposed to be like the Italian league's known for like stereotypically being the best at defending. Mm-hmm. I, I just don't I just don't see it from Juventus to be honest. Okay, thank you, um, Javier. Still here. Okay, so skip heavier. Uh, uh, Ryan? All right. Uh, I want to go with – PSG has to top this. You know, they're under so much pressure, especially for giving the keys to Mbappe to run the club. For one of the New president. Yeah, they, they have to deliver this year. You know, they're under a lot of pressure, especially with what they have on their squad. Uh, it's going to be a toss-up between Juventus and Benfica. Uh, the one thing with Juventus, they're not the same Juventus of 10 years ago. They're, you know, they're not as dominating as they once were. Benfica, they're, you know, they're a tough side as always in the Champions League. I do, I could probably see Benfica overturning Juventus and probably stealing second spot. Okay, thank you, Connor. Um, I mean, like Ryan just said, Director Mbappe has to bring. <laughs> the they, they have, they have to. Uh, they'll probably bottle it in the. In the quarterfinal, but yeah. mm-hmm. they, I think PSG just in general have to go far this year. They have mm-hmm. to make the final for mm-hmm. their sake with the money they put in, with the caliber of players they have. They should be making the final, but we, we all know how that story goes. Uh, second place, it's tough because Juventus are you know Champions League proven. They can make it out of their group, and Benfica. Mm-hmm. Benfica usually finish third in their groups when they have two big powerhouses in their groups. Mm-hmm. They got out of it with uh, with Barca last season. Mm-hmm. Barca and Bayern in the same group. But mm-hmm. I still think – I think Juventus just edges it. I think it's going to be a tight race. Though. I think that's the one that comes down to the last game of the of the group stages is between Juve mm-hmm. and uh, Benfica. 
Okay. Um, just round table, you guys can take a take take a look at it at any order. I know we gave our like um top top finishes, but do you guys see any upset anywhere that if it happened, you you can say, oh, you know, I had a stinking suspicion. Any Ooh. from any of the groups? Real Madrid not making sure. it out of the group. That, that's the easy upset to see, to be honest. Who? Chelsea not making it out of the group. That's yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I could see that, too. possible or upset. third in their group. <laughs> third. Yeah, that's true. Uh, you were saying, Ryan. <laughs> um, I could see Real Madrid slipping up at home like they did last year. It'll probably be against Celtic. Yeah, I could see mm-hmm. Celtic showing up, snatching a 1-0 <laughs> win at the Santiago. Yeah. So. I, I can see that happening, but, but they'll they'll get out of their group and probably be dangerous in the playoffs. So, yeah, I'm I'm curious to see how um that that Timo Werner and Unkunko link up, how it plays out in the Champions League to see how they do. That that that's just for me. Um, I see how uh, let's see how Timo comes back from his time at Chelsea. <sighs> I'm depressed. Okay, <laughs> thank you guys for that. Uh, moving on. <laughs> okay, Europa League. For all those who are in Europa League, I'm gonna just let you guys take it. <laughs> Let's go with the United boy first. <laughs> for Europa League. I, you forgot to say it's the biggest club competition. <laughs> oh, yeah, next year when United's back in the Champions <laughs> League. Uh, no, I mean, I, I don't want to expect unrealistic things. I think realistically, I don't think United's going to win the Europa League. I think it's still early in the Ten Hag like era to be striving for these big championships. I think they'll do well, though. I think they should comfortably make it out of their group. Real Sociedad first game. Of the group. It could be a good game, but last time we played them in the Europa League two seasons ago, we smacked them across two legs. So I expect United to make it out of the group, and then I think they'll they'll fumble it in the semifinals. I don't I, if they make it to the final. I mean, I, I would love to be proved wrong about this. I'd love for them to make it to the final <laughs> thing, but mm. I, I don't want to set my expectations like too high. I feel like that's what a lot of United fans are doing now. Is like. Setting these expectations that like we're gonna win the we're gonna win the prem next season we're gonna do all this it's like slow build up I don't think we yeah, have, like slow yeah, down mm-hmm. yeah I don't think we we have the team yet to be winning anything big but if we do we do I, I'll take it yeah thank well, you thank you well I agree with a lot of that like what team in the Europa League do you think would beat you comfortably when you got to that quarterfinal semifinal final stage at this point like. <laughs> I mean, Ryan, calm down, calm down. You just lost the one. Running back in the final. You're going to see who drops out of the Champions League. Yeah, that's true. Arsenal, you can't deny, are going to also – like they should make it far. With how they've been looking at the start of the season, they should be making it far. You never know with – you know, when English teams play against each other in European competition, it could it could honestly go either way across two legs. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. You don't and, out of the out of the champions. So. Yep. And and Ren. Yeah, uh, menu and Arsenal for sure. I want to see them competing for the title. For you know, for Arsenal, we expect them to go for it. We never won a European competition, so we'd love it. To, you know, definitely to win this, but for sure, I'm gonna see. We're probably gonna see a show from Jose Mourinho and his Roma squad. 
you know, they're all conquering Rome. You know, mm-hmm. let's uh, let's see what they're about this season. Mm-hmm. Um, and then maybe they make their title charge next year in the Champions League. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm expecting big things from Roma. I'm I'm really split on Real Betis because I think they'd prefer a top four finish versus taking a deep run in the Europa League. Um, Real Sociedad, I was expecting more from the start of, from how they started the season, but they're a big name to throw in there. Monaco and Freiburg, Freiburg started brilliantly. They're top in they're top in the Bundesliga right now, and Monaco um, just doing worldly things when it comes to European football. Um, Angel. We're not in the Champions League, bro, but, but let me get your take at the Europa League. What do you expect? I mean, to be honest, I expect Arsenal to make it to the final. I, I feel like Arsenal needs a European mm-hmm. trophy of some kind. Right? Yeah. I mean, like, we're, we're literally in, in these last, like, five or so years where we're at the point where, like, the next generation of fans are really going to think Chelsea's bigger than Arsenal. That's what's happening mm-hmm. in, with, like, this generation. And if we they don't are. start winning again, like <laughs> everyone that's like five, seven now is going to grow up thinking Chelsea's bigger. Yeah. If they don't um, start winning again, they don't remember yeah. what the Invincibles were if they weren't born. Exactly. Sure. Exactly. And my question to Ryan um, is winning the Europa League a must win for you guys? Is that a must win? Based on where you guys started last season, how you finished last season, and how you started this season, is at least getting to the final. A must. Um, no, our Premier League is most important is how we finish in the league. Europa League is, is always going to be secondary for us. Um, and since we're in the competition, we got to win it. Uh, if we don't win it and we get top four, you know, fine with that. But if Arteta doesn't get top four, I think there are going to be questions asked of him. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't think he'll lose his job depending on how the season plays out. But, yeah, I would say Premier League is more important for Arteta than Europa League. Okay. Well, guys, thank you for joining us. Appears we lost Javier. I have some connection issues. But, hey, it was a brilliant discussion. appreciate you guys for joining. And remember, guys, uh, follow us at The Final Whistle. uh, On Twitter at The Final Whistle without the E at the end. Replace that with a 10. You have follow us at The Final Whistle podcast on Instagram. And you can email us and DM, DM us. And you can email us at The Final Whistle 2022 at gmail.com from your host here and from my guest thank you for listening to us again catch you guys on the flip Our block.